I wanted to feel like Dax Milne for even a moment in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Did you? No. <laughs> Just one guy as you're panning across. Cardboard, cardboard, real person cardboard. Yeah, it's still my thunder, but yeah, yeah. We're used to performing in front of a small crowd. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom is Pro Football Hall of Famer, NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, all-around great guy and a huge BYU fan, Steve Young. Steve, great to have you back on the show. How are you? Steve? Pretty good, Spencer. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, you just get the greatest Ty Detmer impersonation, which I loved. It was perfect. And you gave no Chris Berman. I figured you got that one. Too, you? <laughs> Nobody check Chris. I can't do. I can't do impersonations. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Berman's. Well, you get me from the office today. My wife, I got. I, it's her place, and I get the little corner and. We're not out in the in the equipment room today, so we're in good shape. <laughs> hey, we've all learned a lot about virtual meetings the last couple months, you know. Yeah, no, I'm in I'm I'm in pole position today, so enjoy the, <laughs> Steve, enjoy the background. Yeah, Steve Young, front and center on BYU Sports Nation. Times are good, Steve. As we were coming back in, we're talking about BYU being off to their first five and zero start since 2008. They're number twelve in the polls. The schedule hasn't been there, but it's almost like national pundits have said. Uh, they're they're forgiving of BYU because of what BYU wanted to do initially. What do you think about this five and zero record? Are you buying the Cougars as a dark horse college football playoff team? Well, why not? You know, it's a crazy year. It's everything's uh, backwards, and you know, for us, we've already won um, in my mind because we've we've gained a tremendous amount of perception, if not reality that uh, we're players again. I mean, that Navy game, the whole country watched just because we hadn't seen anything like, you know, and there hadn't been anything on TV. So the whole country watches. Uh, and it was a great, you know, it's just a showcase for what Kalani's wanting to do, right? We get more explosive. Uh, we got a great quarterback. It just felt like, you know, what we talked about on the show many times. Like, we don't, I don't want people to say, oh, we just want to honor the old players and what we used to be. And, you know, no, what we want to do is collect all of that stored up money in the bank that we have on who BYU is, you know, who, who, who we represent, what we represent. And then we go out and show that and people always go, Oh, that's BYU. And they have, we, and it, and it, and it kind of, um, you know, not only is it externally, people kind of feel that it's internally too. It's like, yeah, that's who we are. And it starts to feed on the players and that they kind of respond. And that's what this year has really been about. And I love that. And every week, you know, uh, there's only a couple of college games. Now there's more and more this week in the next couple of weeks. But we've had kind of exclusive national uh, focus, and we've played really well. And so I think in people's, you know, back of people's minds, remember, as an independent, we that's our lifeblood, right? We need ESPN and the people in Bristol to go, Let's see, BYU, this is, this, is how, this is why we signed them. This is why we do it. And, uh, and that's all positive. So that's, that's money in the bank. That's good stuff. And now you talk about into the future, you know, um, uh, uh, talking, I was in uh, for the Cowboy game on Monday night and we were talking, people were talking about BYU, you know, people are just walk up and say, Hey, what do you think about BYU? So it's a, it's in the people, it's in their minds. Now, do they think that they're going to go play Clemson and play well, or, you know, people, we would love to see it personally. You know, I would love to go and find some, you know, team that we know is really good right now and just play them. Because Zach 
is going to make it possible. You know, I don't want to say it's just Zach because we know that we got a lot of great players, but we, we had some injuries at tight end. We have some people that were replacing, and we just have a lot of guys. So if you pay close attention to BYU, it feels like we have the ability and we just need the, we need the opportunity. And no, we're not going to get it. We get one in Boise State. We can't have any screw-ups. Now, let me tell you right now, I hate to tell you this, but we cannot have any screw-ups. And we can't we, – I don't want any wacky uh, – uh, I, I even – last year I can't remember who it was. Was it Florida? South Florida, U- USF. Central West Florida State. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. Some crazy – Akron, Akron State. I mean, what was it last year? Toledo. I it out of my mind. Yeah. I, all right, right. Toledo. We just can't have any Toledos. And uh, uh, but again, if it happens, we've got a man. I'm super happy with what how we've handled COVID. What Tom's done for the for the scheduling. It just shows us a scrappy. It's like a lot of positives. But what can we do in the end? Yes, we can get into New Year's Eve, a New Year's Day. We can. I think we go undefeated and. And uh, things break the right way. There's, I, I think we can. And yeah. I, I just don't want to. We, we all get, all of us Cougar fans get a little wacky when we get the blue goggles going. It's a little nuts, you know. Sorry, what? Uh, sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's very exciting right now. It it feels it feels like the glory days. BYU's putting up a ton of points, doing all this. Certainly, the schedule has helped BYU in this way. Originally, it was really hard. And Steve, I, I've said, listen, right now it's more about how BYU's playing than who BYU's playing. Because if you gave a non-Power 5 team, you said they're 5-0 and and they've done this, should they be 12th? Most teams, is a, it's a no. But BYU's brand has helped them get to that point. Being on ESPN, like you said, has, has gotten to this point. Led by the play... Oh, go ahead. Well, like Jeremy, it's just, it really is basically who we always think we are. And if we don't act that way, it's, it's, to, our, it's to our detriment. And I've begged Kalani over the years, like, Kalani, you don't understand what we can collect and how you can tell your players and how everyone can respond. And it gives you space. You can actually have, you know, uh, lose some games if it looks like BYU. You know, if it looks like who we, who we are, who we always were. Who we are. And so, uh, uh, and I think we always, that's Jeremy, your point is we're responding because it looks like we have a quarterback that can be one of the top of the country and we're running it around. We're, we're very explosive. Uh, and even our running game is explosive, and it just feels like who we are. And I think that's just that has got to be our north star forevermore. If we're gonna, you know, we're not gonna run the we're not gonna run the wishbone. We're never gonna go. <laughs> where there's things we just will not do, even though we got super close to that. By the way, <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about that. But you know, uh, it really does feel like we're where we should be, and that's uh, that's gonna be good in every direction. When BYU is great, they have a great quarterback. And right now, Zach Wilson's playing at the highest level a BYU quarterback has played in a long, long time. What is he doing that is making him great right now? So I don't know who's John Beck or who. I mean, I, who uh, who got a hold? I mean, he was a. I saw him as a freshman. Uh, my buddy Jim Herman, who I, we played at BYU together, we were freshmen together. Jim Lee, he, Lee Johnson, myself, Jim Herman. You know, we were. Uh, Ty Mattingly and Scott Robinson, the three, four, five of us. I mean, we were tight friends. We always have been. And uh, he coached Zach up at Corner Canyon. And so uh, when he was coaching defensive line and when he played, I don't remember, there was a game, uh, one of the early games and Zach was doing something weird and crazy and it wasn't really working out. I'm like, Herm, I don't know, bro. I, I like a lot of it, but it feels like he's like, he goes, trust me on this. He has every element of 
grit and toughness and sense of uh, sense of place. And he gets the whole, you know, he gets, oh, you're talking Ty Detmer was the one that really understood 22 people and was never overwhelmed. and was really always this calming influence. His brain just kind of handled it. And he goes, he's like that, I promise you. And he really has turned out to be that person, but he's had a lot of uh, help uh, along the way, especially last year. It looks like John driving down to San Diego because you can see he's delivering from all different angles. He's very, he's in the moment. You know, when we talk about Patrick Mahomes and why he's so good, it's because he's so present, way ahead of his time. You, it, it, I always say in the NFL, if you are if you have a tremendous presence, and what I say about that is that you're in a moment and your mind is not cluttered, it's not overwhelmed, and the number of people running around, the blitzes and everything that's happening, the crowd and, and the ex- expectations, the media and everything, just you actually calm through it and you're in the play. And Patrick Mullins, remember last year when he was scrambling, he looked back at the referee because he's waiting for the flag. He's like, are you going to throw the flag? Oh, no, okay, I'll, get, I'll go run for 15. It's just the presence of mind that he's way ahead of his time. You need to play 15 years to be where Patrick Mahomes is. Completely not fair. Zach has developed that sense of presence that's coming very nicely. And I think that's why pro scouts are going to be really focused on him because he can clearly throw the football. You know, he has a great sense of long ball, touch, and arm angles and different unit, but it's his uniqueness in the, in the play, in the moment to kind of know you, you kind of sense that you, as you watch in your couch, you can, you say, Oh, what about he should do up. And he does it because he's so like, you know how hard it is to be, you know, to match the people on the couch, you know, or, up, you know, <laughs> in the, in the I mean, how many times in my life are people yelling, throw it, throw it. I'm like, where, what are you talking about? Throw where? Well, I, don't, I don't, I don't see anything, you know? <laughs> Where, where when you when you when I'm watching and I'm like oh he should and he, then he, he does it that's that presence that he's got so um, I think people are get more and more excited about Zach uh, and be real question whether he stays or not it, has anyone asked him we have not asked the question yet because this is all relatively new right I mean it's just happened in the last week or two. Um, and I think BYU fans honestly are a little bit afraid to ask because they don't want him to go early because things are so good. But I mean, Steve, in your opinion, is is Zach a first or second round NFL draft type quarterback right now? Uh, anyone ever heard of Ziggy Ansah? Yep. Played one week. Played one. Started one week, but then hit the hit the the, the the combine circuit and ended up number one in in the in, the, in Detroit. I, it can't, you know, it won't be like that. But I think that there's no question that if he finishes the season, people get excited about him. You know, uh, a lot of scouts look around three corners to find a great quarterback. You know, and if you sense that, um, but I, I got to believe that Zach, as a developmental project, and his kind of knowing a little bit, he and I text back and forth, and I'll say, "Hey, way to go!" And he'll say, "Thanks, Steve." You know, like the, nothing, you know, nothing too deep. But uh, uh, I, I just I sense with him that he probably this would come on and he'd want to have another year to go kind of solidify it in many ways. So I, I, I'd answer it for him, even though I have no idea that I suspect uh, that, you know, uh, but I don't know. I mean, who knows? Because if it really gets hot and let's I mean, I, I, you know, I was on uh, KNBR here locally uh, last week and we were going through the Houston game and saying, you know, Tom Tolbert's from Arizona. He's like, well, this is a big, you know, this is the one. We'll see what you guys can do. I'm like, this Heisman Trophy candidate. We're going down there to go in the top 10. We're, you know, and we really are, you know, and, and people are like, Heisman Trophy. What are you talking about? Like, this is kind of where we are. And so unfortunately, we don't have the games 
any more other than Boise State. Is there anyone else that's going to be kind of someone goes, oh, that's a, that's a decent win? Is there anybody else? San that's, Diego uh, State potentially, San which Diego is State a little December twelfth right? at home, which is so, might be a snow game. Yeah, I know that's not going to help either. So you know, you got to figure that Trevor Lawrence, who is an incredible player. I mean, honestly, just. I, I, Trevor Lawrence, if, you know, everyone's trying to lose for Trevor, and I, I would understand why. <laughs> you know, if, Jets, uh, if the Jets get that spot, there's no question you trade Sam Darnold immediately and go for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the guy's an incredible player, so he'll win it. But we're going to have a little fun kind of trying to press him, and we should we should start a campaign. I mean, these campaigns are legit, you know, uh, and let's, let's, let's not be bashful about it. Because I think Zach will fill in uh, behind it. You know, I mean, I don't think he's going to fade at all uh and by the way uh i see the steve young uh t-shirt jerem i've mm-hmm. never seen that t-shirt before yeah. and i don't know if that looks like uh, mitt romney hair i mean i don't <laughs> even know what's going on good hair do you like the uh, hair or no but at least the ball is in the left hand because most of the stuff when i, I have a you know a, a bobblehead doll or something they they don't have a lefty version you know what i mean so i'm always i'm always righty and it's, it's, it's nice that Hair's nothing. My hair. By the way, if anyone wants to spend a fun uh, two, two, three hours on Twitter, just type in Steve Young hair, and then <laughs> you will not believe the tour that you will have of of, uh, of joy and, and and gladness. It's good stuff. Of joy and gladness. Steve, I'm so glad that you have joined the Twitter party. It's uh, yeah, it's, welcome. It's, oh, yeah. No, I barely. You guys know this. It's bare. It's barely tiptoe, tiptoe. My my oldest, my boy Braden's. You know, he's very much into social media. He's like, Dad, you're terrible. You know, you don't, you don't do it. I mean, you're just terrible. Yeah, you got to, you got to have good content. You got to get content. Steve, I have more you know? followers than you. So does Spencer. What, what the heck, man? We, we need I, to promote I'm, Steve Young's I, Twitter I, account I, right now. Tiptoe, tiptoe. <laughs> you have 22 <laughs> tweets, and your last one was October 5th. Yeah, just what once a week. Once a week, we'll start. Well, I took I, I took a picture of me in the in the uh, was it the, the Lambo Stadium in Green Bay. Five, other than the Cowboy game, the last five weeks, no joke. Completely. And when I say empty stadiums, no one, zero humans, except for me. I was like the. I was a. I was the. Only, in fact, I'm the only uh, fan that's ever sat in a Raider home game. Wow, <laughs> that's true. And an attendance of one. <laughs> and it's me. And I you- had my feet up. My feet up. I'm watching the game. I'm looking around like there is no one. I'm the only one watching the Saints Raiders game. And I'm like the first fan in the history of the Raiders to ever at Las Vegas Raiders to ever watch them in the stadium. I feel like I should, I should get some kind of a promotional prize, you know, some kind of a, you know, year supply of something. You know what I mean? Like it feels like I should get like, your supply of daggers or something. You feel like the kind of guy that would be a Raider. So, oh, wait, no. Yeah. Oh, oops. Right. <laughs> Steve Young with us on BYU Sports Nation. Steve, Zach Wilson is pacing to uh, break your longstanding completion percentage record for uh, uh, a season. Uh, do you feel like he's going to do it? He's at about 78%. You were at 71 plus. Do you, do you think Zach's going to break that record? Yeah. Yeah. And it should be bro- It should be broken. I mean, the game has changed and you guys are going to think this is the old man. Get off my lawn. You know, like it's not, it really is uh, an appreciation for how the game has changed, especially the pro game. Uh, the professional game has, you know, they can't patrol the middle of the field anymore. We've talked about this. The quarterback can't be hit. I mean, you see a quarterback hit, you know, a flag's coming. It doesn't matter if it's legit or not. 
um, and the safety and the, and the unfair fight with defense. It's really kind of ridiculous. I used to say in the pro game, nobody's open. In the college game, everybody's open. That was my memory. Now, in my mind, the pro game has become so much more like college. There's so little time that coaches and players get. It's very college-like. A couple of OTAs and a summer camp, that's exactly like college. And so the game has really opened up for Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. And, and they're, running, they're running what they ran in college. And so you're going to see the pros. The NFL is going to have, you know, I don't know if you'll get to 80% completion. You know, uh, Drew Brees is getting close. But I think you're going to get some 72s, 73s, 74s in the pro game. And in the college, I, I think it's, you know, there's people open all over the place. More than even past college. You know, when I say college, everybody was open back in 1980, 1983. Uh, you know, everybody, everybody looks open to me. So I, I, I feel like it, 78, yeah. But I think an 80 is coming, 83. I mean, there's you know, the records for quarterbacks, pro and college, in the next five or ten years, they're all going to go away. I mean, when I, when I came, when, I'm, when I was taking over Jim McMahon, Jim left with 72 NCAA records. 72. I mean, it was it was crazy. Uh, I, I think you're going to see no one will over own that many records ever again. Cause Jim was throwing when no one else was throwing. Right. So he could, he, you know, there was no competition. Now you're going to get all kinds of competition and who's throwing the ball around, but uh, you're going to see every record broken in the next five to 10 years, everything. And you name it. If there's, if there's a record out there that from 198, like my completion percentage, it, it is going to go. If it doesn't, then something's super wrong. <laughs> Steve, it's great to talk to you. Great to laugh with you. Spencer, I'll tell you, I, I am no joke. You know, I, I, because I feel so healthy and, and you know, I'm running and I'm throwing, I'm doing, I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll come back and break the record. I mean, <laughs> nobody gets hit. The, set, the middle of the field's wide open. It used to be a death, death zone. The flats, no one covers the flats. You you know, and you sit back there and just let her let her rip. I, I you know, so many easy yards for the quarterback to get with his legs. I'm like, what? A, you know, it'd be like uh, what is a movie like uh, uh, Benjamin Button? What was that? Uh, uh, was that yeah. The one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Serious yes. case, Benjamin Button. Yes. Yep, yeah, that's like the one. Work backwards. I don't know. You just I got too much time on my hands. Hey, no, forever young. We appreciate the time, Steve. And uh, unfortunately, got to wrap up. But man, it's good to catch up here. Let's do it again soon. Uh, let's do it. Put the goggles on, boys. Let's go. You got it, Oh, Steve. by the way, BYU, we've got to say a shout-out to Kiki Solano, giving her a little up BYUSN right now. Let's <laughs> go. Thanks, 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 Steve. Steve. <laughs> Steve Young on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. That's awesome. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, well, we know what the friends in the desert are saying about BYU, but what about all of the national pundits? What they are saying, Jerem, starting with Stuart Mandel of The Athletic, friend of the program, he's been on with us a number of times. He tweeted the following, BYU's having a special season. So glad we'll get to see them against Boise State in a few weeks. Yeah, that's a matchup a lot of people are looking forward to November 6th. He went on to tweet about Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is something special. What a throw. Third and 15 to Dax Mill to make it 36-26. What, is, what a throw, man. That oh, was awesome. Hey, you like what Stuart Mandel saying? How about his partner on the Audible podcast and Fox Sports analyst Bruce Feldman, who tweeted approximately the same time as the Wilson throw. 
What a beautiful throw by Zach Wilson. Every game BYU has played this year, he's been spectacular. Did you know he drove on the weekends to John? I'm just kidding. Uh, Bruce Feldman also tweeted the following. His updated top 10. He uh, teased, who deserves the number one spot now, Alabama or Clemson? How high do you rank BYU and its breakout star quarterback Zach Wilson? Dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Well, Stuart Mandel teased the pod where Feldman has BYU ranked. And at number four are the Cougars. Mm. Uh, whoa. Number four. Mandel said, I love Coastal Carolina and BYU, but uh, those, you know, I know Stuart, or Bruce loves those teams, but I think he's nuts. Paul, <laughs> we all are a little bit. Paul Feinbaum, of course, of uh, ESPN, covers the SEC mainly. He put on SportsCenter yesterday morning, BYU as number four as well. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum. Like, and all these guys, they're all credible, right? Okay, Kirk Herbstreit, uh, perhaps the most credible voice in college football analysis, right? As, as actually, as Herbie goes bananas. He puts BYU at sixth. So okay. he, he continues to have BYU just out. And he's done just the teams that have played. He hasn't put in Ohio State, yeah. his alma mater, quite yet. I'm imagining that soon he will. I don't know that BYU is going to show up in the top six from Kirk Herbstreit next week because Ohio State's Ohio going State to start, yeah, we'll Big see. Ten, Big Ten starts playing this week. That that will have an impact on the narrative around BYU. We'll see. I mean, maybe Notre Dame loses at Pittsburgh. Weird Notre things. Dame is going to lose to Clemson. That's going to happen. Attrition. Well, just Clemson's awesome. Clemson's an SEC team wearing ACC colors. Fox Sports analyst Joe Klatt. My college football top 10. BYU in at number 10, just behind Oklahoma State and Florida at 8 and 9, respectively. Yeah, how about that? So, yeah, th- this whole, like, weird 2020 deal, BYU's taking advantage of it. BYU's not to be discredited for it, in my opinion. They're to be credited for it. Playing games, uh, being the only team in the West to play, still, to this point, we have a couple weeks until the Mountain West and Pac-12 uh, start again. Notice I haven't mentioned the Pac-12 in the whole ca- the, they are not a factor in all of this at the moment. Oregon is the highest-ranked team. BYU is ranked ahead of Oregon right now. We'll see it, because those teams will win some games and climb up. BYU is in a position where even if they beat Texas State and Western Kentucky convincingly, perhaps they don't climb. They may, may even drop a spot or two depending, depending on, on who does what. So just keep an eye on that. Don't be unexpectedly surprised. Yeah. All right. CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd like Zach Wilson, Jerem. Yeah, he puts him uh, third. On his list, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Jalen Waddle. I agree with that list, like like spot for spot. I, I think that's spot on. Jalen Waddle is unbelievable, and then the next great Alabama wide receiver. We knew this last year. They they have a couple of them that are incredible. Through like, five weeks, Zach Wilson would be a Heisman finalist. He'd be in New York through five weeks, but uh, they play more than five. <laughs> we we just reached the halfway point, by the way, of the season. Assuming that BYU plays all these games and doesn't add any. They have a 10-game schedule in it. I want to go back to something that you and I were discussing earlier in the show and have been discussing on and off since this uh, whole thing got rolling. The BYU hype train got rolling. Should BYU add another game? Should they add another game? Are they going to get lost? Having three weeks between games, November 21st to December 12th. Like, Do they need to schedule somebody? I don't. I'm not as worried about that um, as maybe... You are. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think that if BYU is undefeated at the end, that, that when the dust settles, BYU is undefeated, and they had a great player in Zach Wilson, right, that BYU will be in position to get a New Year's Six invite. I don't think they need to add to get that. And I, I think if, if BYU has let, – let's say the Boise State game got canceled for COVID or whatever, then it would be like absolutely BYU needs to add a relevant game because they have to prove themselves in now. I don't think BYU needs to. If BYU – 
uh, you know, beat Navy, Houston, 2-0 versus the American, by the way. That's not insignificant. Uh, and then, yeah, Boise State, and then hopefully San Diego State's decent. That, that's enough. BYU has a big enough brand to do this. If Marshall's 4-0 and barely in, BYU is 5-0 and well in. That's the national cachet of BYU. Okay. All right. Let's get to our prop picks uh, going into the weekend. Jason Shepard had the lead. 15 points to Jerem's 14 to Mike. If we lose to Jason, we'll just throw out the totals. He's not here. Long way to, halfway through. <laughs> Long way to go. He's, he's beating us. All right, Jerem, lead us off. More rushing touchdowns. Zach Wilson with the BYU running backs combined. Running backs had it. They had uh, two. Wilson almost had the one, but he was just barely short. All three of us right on that pick. Yeah, it would have been a push without it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will either team have a double-digit lead at some point during the game? All three of us said yes. Oh, yeah. And all three of us were right. Yeah. BYU won by 17, for crying out loud. And trailed by as many as what? 12. 12. Okay, who will be the first to a hundy on Friday? Katoa, Algier, Romney, Dax Milner, some Houston receiver named Marquez Stevenson who didn't do anything. One catch. Uh, it was Dax Milner, 184. I'm, so, I'm some sorry, Put some respect Dax. on his name. I'm sorry, Dax. That's our bad. That's our bad. I, sh- I should have gone with my heart. You know where my heart generally lies. Number four. <laughs> generally. More or less... <laughs> Then Not specifically! More or less than 62 points scored combined between the Cougars and Cougars. Hey, I, I made up a point here. I said that yeah. it would be the over. I, I didn't think it would be this high scoring, but boom, BYU poured it on at the end. It Let's took go. a late Tyler Algier touchdown to bring that into fruition. Okay, and last but not least, over under two spots, BYU will move up or down the AP pool on Sunday. Up two spots, so it's a push. Uh, you and I said under, Jason said over. So it was exactly two. Okay. Up from 14 to number 12. Prop Jason pick standings leads. now. Jason's still in the lead, 17. Jerem has 16. And I am now back one of Jerem, 15, because I made up one point. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Today's one-on-one interview features a man who, frankly, will jump over you and run through you. BYU football sophomore tight end and fullback Mason Wake joined me on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline yesterday. Mason, if you had a preference, would you rather jump over a defender or run through a defender? Um, after talking to the coaches, I'd probably have to say run through them. Um, but I'd say that that's that's my mindset. I just want to blow people up and... Um, coach Grimes texted me, coach Grimes texted me. He said, um, hurdling should be your, your second approach and, um, running people over should be your first. But I mean, I'd say hurdling's pretty fun, but I mean, they're both pretty fun. I, I couldn't answer that. <laughs> I think BYU fans like both, both, uh, that's safe to say. When did jumping over guys become a thing for you? Take us back to the first time it happened. Oh, uh, I was ninth grade. Um, I was playing American fork and, I had like a bunch of runs that game and they just kept going at my ankles and just, I just essentially tackled myself trying to run them over. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. And so I tried my very first hurdle ever. I tried jumping him. The guy hit my foot and I did a front flip and landed on my head, but uh, I got better after that. But so it became a part of my game after that. But that that first one was pretty scary. Uh, Understandably. And I'm glad you're okay. There's a Twitter account titled Mason wakes hype man. How do you feel about all of that? Oh, I see a few of those. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, 
um, from um, like just my come up and just like from where I've been and where I am now. I mean, it's just it's surreal and I still have a lot to prove, but it's pretty cool seeing that stuff on Twitter. You've been involved in some of the more memorable plays of the 2020 season, and there have been quite a few. Do you have a favorite that you have been involved in? If so, what is it? Um, honestly, I'd probably say Isaac Rex's touchdown, his first one ever. And after he did that little dance that Kalani showed us, uh, that was once I saw him do that, I was just like, oh gosh. And I started walking away. But I say that was one of the more memorable things we've done. And um, just knowing what he's gone through and um, just our tight end group, um, it was pretty cool to see. Oh, I love it so much. Some love for the uh, fellow tight end. I mean, you're a fullback, too. You're a fullback tight end hybrid. Uh, which do you prefer? Fullback. I'll say it again, fullback. But I'm with the tight ends, but me and Kyle Griffiths, uh, the two fullbacks here, but we're with the tight ends, but we're fullbacks. When you scored on the underhand shovel pass from Zach Wilson, affectionately known as Chiefs, and you got Patrick Mahomes to tweet about it, you revealed a special message that said, rest in heaven, Mom. BYU fans want to know more to show their support. So if you don't mind, Mason, tell us more about the background there. Yeah, so... uh, so a lot of people thought that it was like a recent thing, but my mom actually passed away when I was eight, almost nine. She passed away from cancer. But I mean, every, ever since then, she's been um, a part of my life. And um, I know she's with me each and every day and everything I do is for her. And um, a lot of people saw uh, that I wrote mom on my arm and I, they didn't really know exactly why. And so I just wanted to get that message out there. Hey, what a fabulous story. Mason Wake with us on BYU Sports Nation. Because Coach Kalani Satake also played fullback, what's the best advice he's given to you about playing that position at BYU? Um, he gives me some good advice, but I think the, the funniest thing was is after that Louisiana Tech hurdle and then I kept running, he said on the, um, on the coach's intercom thing, he's like, oh, he's, he's starting to look like me out there. And I was just like, <laughs> and he came and talked to us after and he was, he was just um, laughing about it. But I mean, having a head coach that played fullback back in his day is definitely special. He, de- he was probably, I think he was 30 or 40 pounds more than I was though. He tells me that like every day <laughs> and how they, they almost switched, they almost switched him over to guard if he weighed one more pound more. But um, I mean, he's just such a fun guy and um, um, his knowledge for the game is awesome. Clearly, there's a special fullback bond there between you and Coach Atake and Kyle Griffiths. What is it about the fullbacks that brings you guys so close together? Um, I just say just the way we play. We just want to go hit people, and like a lot of people just call us meatheads and that we're dumb. But I mean, I don't think we're dumb. We're we're, we're fun, and we just like bringing that energy. We're just going and mashing people. What did you learn about the BYU football team at Houston that maybe you didn't know before? Um. Just the way we handle adversity, um, we haven't been down. I think we were only down once in the UTSA game. That was our first time we'd been down, um, and it was fun. Like like a lot of people say, we played bad, or like like Houston was like they were a good team, and it was fun to be in a close game. Um, but I'd say that the way we handle adversity, and we, no one was panicking in halftime. And we were we were all just cool and calm, and um, I don't know. It was fun. I thought it was fun. The fans there were, were awesome. Okay, so you go down 26-14. Take us inside the huddle. What's the atmosphere and the conversation like knowing that BYU's down by double digits on the road against a good Houston football team? Um, I mean, just our leaders, uh, just, just keeping us calm and um, letting our plays on the field um, talk for us. And um, I just say, like, in the huddle, we were just, just cool and calm, and um, the coaches do a good job of calming us down. And um, I don't know, like, it was just fun, like um, – 
yeah, we've been blowing out people this year. And so it was a bit of a switch up, but I mean, I loved it. Let's flip the page and turn it to Texas State. And because you brought up fans, I want to ask you about the opportunity to play in front of BYU fans at Lavelle Edwards Stadium for the first time. It'll only be 6,000, but how do you feel about it? Uh, I am super excited. Um, they definitely changed the game. They give us juice. Um, um, even though we've, we've been having like a lot of good energy on the sideline. Coach Kalani has been talking about uh, getting hyped on the sidelines and dancing and stuff. But, I mean, just having those fans are just creates that, that energy that uh, nothing else can. And just being able to play in front of family, um, I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, don't call him a meathead. Call him a brainiac of a fullback. His name is Mason Wade. Yes. Mason, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation, man. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Mason Wake on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Jumping over people is a thing now. It, it became kind of a thing, I think, at first with Chad Lewis, right? Yes, Chad's Leap, the first person I remember. Leaping Lewis in the mid-90s, and so everybody kind of compares whoever jumps over a defender to Chad Lewis. Now, now people are going to start comparing other guys to Mason Wake. I love the fact that he, when you asked him if he remembers the first time he did it, Without hesitation, he knew exactly when he did it. Yep, ninth grade. I was tired of guys diving <laughs> in my legs. American Fork. Yeah, it's great. Landed on my head. It's kind of scary. <laughs> That's fantastic. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Jerem, is it time to remove the blue goggles and talk seriously about BYU football in the college football playoff and BYU having a Heisman Trophy winner? Okay, let's break those into two parts. One is BYU as a college football playoff team. No, the blue, blue goggles are still on. I'm going to take them on just for this, off for, just for this conversation. But um, No, there's some people putting BYU in the top four. The reason BYU is in the top four is because... They are 5-0, and and they've looked good. That's the first part, right? The next part of that, though, is that the Big Ten hasn't started playing. Notice I didn't say the Pac-12. The Big Ten hasn't started playing. Ohio State's going to be in there once. Obviously, it's, it's this Saturday. Ohio State plays Nebraska at home. They begin. Ohio State will be in the top four in a lot of people's uh, polls and uh, you know, lists this week. BYU's taking advantage of this in a great way. Listen. COVID, the pandemic, it blew up BYU's schedule. Ten games gone of the 12. BYU replaced those with eight. And here we are, BYU sitting at 5-0. and And as I've tweeted uh, numerously over the weekend, a lot of you have tweeted back at me, whether you agree or not, it's not been about who BYU's played. It's been about how BYU's played. And the Cougars have been tremendous. Outside of the UTSA game in a one-score game, BYU has won by 17-plus in four of the five, and its best win just happened. BYU was down. BYU probably should have lost this game, given how they were playing, being dominated defensively. And then, boom, 29 unanswered. And it was an incredible feat by BYU to come back in this game, in spite of James Empey injury and Gunnar Romney injury, in the game. And here BYU sits at 5-0. and So college football playoff, let's just tackle that first one, I still think is wild. New Year's 6 is BYU's definitely going to be in the convo if they're undefeated. I believe now that if BYU's undefeated, they will get in. There's they'll, too they'll much in mojo. They'll be game, yep. There's too much mojo if BYU's undefeated. If BYU's one loss, they're probably on the outside looking in. It is wild that BYU, as you brought up, with no James Empey, no Gunnar Romney, no Kairos Tonga. No Kairos no, Tonga, thank you. No Lorenzo Fawatea. Do, you want, do we want the full list right now? 
And no Matt Bushman, by the way. Chaz Ayu, no Chaz Jackson Ayu. McChesney, Hinkley Ropati, <laughs> Tristan Hodge. <laughs> Depth. Jeez. Oh, Depth. Yes. On display and adjustments by the coaching staff and players yes. late in the third quarter when they challenged Houston by going man-to-man coverage on the outside and brought the heat. It was so fun to watch. It was like a switch literally was flipped in a moment. And so they said, okay, Chris Wilcox, uh, Isaiah Heron. You got him. Troy Warner. Go. Like, you guys, you're, you need to lock these down because we're sending the heat. And, man, did it pay off to the tune of a stat that you put out that I loved so much. Which we will get to later. Woo! It, it, the way BYU played on defense was incredible. And, and obviously, Zach Wilson gets the uh, headlines. That was incredible. Okay, so college football playoff. You think it's crazy? Keep the blue goggles on. At this point, you need blue goggles. But for me, the storyline is more about who is wearing the blue goggles, Jerem. Typically, it's the fan base. It's not just us. Typically, it's the fan base of, oh, it's amazing. The Cougar Quorum. It's Cougar Board. It's all those peeps. Bill Connolly of ESPN. It's Reese Davis who has BYU at number eight. It's Kirk Herbstreit that has BYU at number six still of teams that he's watched. It's a it's, guy named Tom Green. It's Tom Green who has BYU but not that Tom four, Green. and Kirk Bowles of uh, the Austin Statesman or whatever yeah, it is American that Statesman. has BYU at number four. And it's guys like Pat Forty and, good grief, uh, Stuart Mandel. Yes, um, Bruce Feldman. And Bruce Feldman. Bruce Feldman Joel has BYU Klatt. at number four. Joel Klatt has BYU at number ten. Yeah. Well, and we'll tell you more about what they're saying coming up later. They've got the blue goggles on. So yes. For me, that's that's what stands out above all. It's, just, yes. it's not the fan base primarily. It's the national pundits that are leading this conversation. We're like, is it an irrational group? Which, listen, I tend to be irrational. We all do. Or is it the rational group, the national media? We think they're rational. Okay, so we agree on that. Let's talk Zach Wilson then for Heisman. No, Zach's a legit Heisman candidate. Like, I, you can take the blue goggles off for that one. He, he, when, when during the Alabama-Georgia game, they do an update on, the, on Heisman Watch, and you see Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson next to each other, it's legit. There have been, that's not the first time this has come up, but to me I go, this is the biggest game. Literally the only game I scheduled on Saturday to watch where I was like, I am sitting down and I'm watching every second of this game in Game 7 of Astros race. Go race. Uh, Gregor Bell tweeted, a lot of you did. I saw like 10 people like, hey, this just showed up. Heisman watch. That, that moment, I was like, oh, it's like official, official, right? Before it was like, well, this is a little crazy. No, no, no. Zach deserves everything that's happening right now. And Zach has been very complimentary of obviously the offensive line. Um, and why did it take us 12 minutes to mention Dax Milne? Dax Milne went from 9, 184, and 3. That is Unbelievable. No because one, he's the most underappreciated star on BYU's football team. And as you mentioned on the postgame, I think that time has ended. <laughs> please, right? please. Has, it, has it ended? Is he properly appreciated? I think so, right? Back Can we to back, elevate him? Back-to-back 100-yard games, you cease to be unappreciated. And what he did was incredible because Gunnar Rod, first play, 78 yards, bang, touchdown. I was like, <laughs> whoa, that was wild. I, what Zach is doing is incredible. So he's first in completions percentage. And if he finishes at this number, he'll set the NCAA record. 78.7 right now. Crazy. He'll set the BYU record, obviously. He's second in yards per attempt. 
12.4. He's second in efficiency at, at 207. Both of those seconds to Mac Jones of Alabama, who's just been off the charts. And granted, he has at least three NFL receivers he's throwing to. I don't know that BYU has an NFL receiver right now on the roster. Like Dax and Gunner have been amazing, but NFL is another thing, right? Hopefully that happens later. But uh, Zach deserves what he's doing. It's, he has been elite. I don't use that word in vain. Zach Wilson, as you said in the postgame show, is an elite quarterback right now. Absolutely. The question is, can he keep it up? Because if he does keep it up, he's got a good shot to be in New York City. New York City? If is undefeated. If is not undefeated, perhaps it, it may not happen. But if is undefeated and Zach is remotely close to what he's been doing, which has been off the charts, yeah, he's like, I don't think he'd win it, but I think he'd be a finalist. BYU is a really good football team with an elite quarterback, and they are winning games now that they haven't in the past. We talked about this after UTSA. Oh, it got weird. BYU was losing those games. They were losing those games more often than not. And then I can't believe this, but our friend Greg Rubel pointed out, when BYU was trailing after three quarters in the Kalani Satake era, three and 19. Woof. And, and the 12 point comeback was the most in this tuck year. Three and 19. Now they're four and 19. The team is a little bit different. They're built differently this year. They're winning games that in the recent past they have not won. Cannot emphasize Why? that enough. They're different. Why? Let's because establish they have an elite it. quarterback. Yes. They have upperclassmen, mm-hmm. and the coaches are figuring it out. This has been a project. That's been five three years. to five years in the making. It's taken five years to get to this point. Not all the staff's been here for five, but Klein Satake, he's, he's talked uh, you know, on camera, off camera about, listen, this, this was a thing that we knew would take a couple years to get to this point. BYU's won 18 games the last three years. BYU's been, meh, four, seven, seven wins. BYU's been completely irrelevant the last couple of years. Moments of relevance and wins, right? USC, Tennessee, Wisconsin, so on, but nothing that lasted. This is lasting, like, Every week, it's so flattering to watch what's happening with BYU because they are earning it. The schedule is blown up. BYU can't control that. They're playing the games they could get. They're winning convincingly. Houston was what we thought a massive challenge, and now you now you look and go, okay, take care of business against Texas State, Western Kentucky, and then guess what? November 6th is going to be the biggest game BYU's played in 10 years. It really is. It's going to be the biggest game since, what, 2009? Name Utah, Oregon <laughs> State, Florida State. Uh, Oklahoma, any of those games, right? TCU. Massive. Uh, well, y- yes, game day came. It was a big game before the game. It's not a big game for BYU on the field. But this this is exciting because BYU, like you said, has an elite, amazing quarterback right now. And Zach Wilson's put in the time to be great and do this. And BYU's down 12. The, the, the undefeated season, the New York Six, blah, blah, Tyler Algieri, he's not rushing much. BYU's not getting pressure on the quarterback. BYU's down 26-14 with a minute left in the third. All of this is going to be blown up, and today is a day of mourning. Instead, BYU goes 29 unanswered points. I can't emphasize how awesome that was enough because the defense was incredible. Zach Wilson was incredible. Uh, BYU is uh, trying to take the lead. They're at the goal line, <laughs> right? Or, or maybe they had the lead, but they were trying to add to it, right, I think. That throw to Zach, uh, uh, Dax Milne, is incredible. Like it was on the onside third. kick, the onside kick, bro. Holy shnikes, Talmadge Gunther. Just there were so many elements to this that were incredible. Good to have Jake Goldroyd back in the game, by the way. So I was in the corner of the press box at Houston's newish stadium, and it's third and fifteen, and I think 
all of us are kind of anticipating. Robert and I's draw. Little screen, little draw, <laughs> kick a field goal, go up six, and then it's going to get really, really weird. And on third and fifteen, Zach Wilson throws an absolute dime to Dax Milne, who makes a great catch, by the way. And I, I let out an audible, wow. <laughs> In the press box yes. where you're not supposed to react. No, I didn't, I didn't cheer. Yeah. It was just a wow. And Mitch Harper looked at me and kind of laughed. Uh, my Our buddy from KSL Sports. And I just, I mean, it, it, I was shocked. I was shocked that they went with that call and they pulled it off. Yeah. Everything's great right now. Everything's awesome, man. Lego movie right now. Wow. Exactly. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Chandon Herring has started every game, either at right tackle or guard. So what does he prefer? Is he related to Eli Herring, who used to play for BYU, chose not to play in the NFL, not play on Sundays? And what has Eric Mateos told the offensive line about his experience at Texas State? Here's my conversation with Chandon Herring on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Okay, Chandon, I've never had the privilege of uh, speaking with you, so let's get to know each other a little better. I, I know random stats about you, like you're 6'7", 3'10", so I want to ask you, when you were little, were you big? Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> when did you realize, oh, I maybe have a shot to uh, be an offensive lineman or play sports in college? Uh, my freshman year of high school, when I came up to a camp, it was the Bronco Mendenhall staff at the time. Um, but I came, I was on the freshman, sophomore side, and after the first practice, I was just over with the juniors and seniors the rest of the camp. It was a good time. When did, uh, when did you realize BYU was the spot for you? Um, when I was uh, just talking to the players that were here and the coaching staff, there was a lot of people that shared similar values. They have similar goals in life. Uh, they play a great schedule, and it, it was something that I, it was a challenge I wanted. Now you're playing uh, on the team this year, and you've been a versatile dude, so obviously Tristan Hodge has been out for a couple weeks. You slid from right tackle to guard. Was that a a familiar position for you, and what's that transition been like? It's been great. Uh, Last year I was at left guard and right guard for the season and then had been bumped out to tackle over the offseason this last year. And so I've played there before, and our coaching staff does a great job at mixing things up so you're familiar with all the responsibilities at the varying positions. So jumping down to it was a seamless transition. What is it like to try and block Kairos Tonga? It's an adventure every single time. He, uh, <laughs> he's, he's so incredibly strong. Like You push as hard as you can to move him, and as soon as he feels that, he can just throw you by because you're, all, your, all your force is going forward. But if you don't push as hard as you can, he's not going anywhere. And so it's, uh, it's an interesting little endeavor every single time. But you get better at it as you go. We're talking with Chandon Herring, a senior offensive lineman, playing right guard, playing right tackle. This offensive line's been pretty good this year. It's, it's felt like, it felt like you guys have done a really nice job. What's, what have been some of the highlights in your mind of what you guys have done well? Uh, highlights in my mind um, are just the little things I see in practice and in the meeting room, guys' attention to detail, guys' competition with themselves and with the other guys. They want to be better. Everybody is driven. Every time I walk by the weight room, there's somebody in there. Guys are getting extra work. And so just the pride of everybody doing the little things, that's, that's been the biggest highlight, seeing that everybody's really bought in, and it pays off when we're able to keep working together. 
Okay, tell me a little bit about Texas State uh, and, and what you see, what what uh, sticks out. And, of course, your offensive line coach, Eric Mateos, was there 2017th rating. So he, he knows about the Bobcats. Yeah, he did. Uh, that's been great to get a little bit of scoop. Some of the D linemen, he had his O linemen when he was coaching there. And so he can tell us a little bit about them and things to kind of uh, upset them. And it's, it's great. <laughs> so it'll be a great opportunity. They, are, they're, they have a good front. They have some pretty stout dudes. They do a couple different little things. They are good in the box. So we're excited for the challenge and the opportunity. So he's giving you trash talk items? Is that what you're saying? No, no. He tells us uh, things that will remain in the O-line room. <laughs> Very nice. The secrets. The secrets. Yes, yeah. the secrets. Uh, what's it going to be like to play, to play in front of fans at home for the first time? I'm really excited. Uh, playing at Houston and having some fans there, my parents were able to travel to. It was great. Uh, I love having the noise and being able to see people um, and then having it at home. We've had the four games at home, well, three games at home, and not having people there when you're running out is kind of different. But when you're playing it, you're playing and you're having a good time with your friends. But it's, I'm looking forward to having my family there and the people that I'm playing for there. Well, it should be fun. 6,000-plus. The band will be there. It's going to be weird, but it's going to be awesome. So, Shannon, we appreciate the time, and uh, good luck Saturday. Awesome. Thank you. Shannon Herring on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. That's a big dude. 6'7". Yeah, after the first practice, uh, when I was with the freshmen and sophomores at BYU's camp, um, they they moved me up to the juniors. (laughs) (laughs) And he's been quietly awesome. Like, you don't notice him or watch it. He's not getting holding He's uh, calls. He's not getting false starts. He's been really, really good. That's why he was brought up as a potential BYU off-the-radar draft pick yeah. earlier this week. He's got a shot for a couple of guys this end next year. Jeez. Man, there were five names that we were actively discussing that are, in the opinions of one draft expert, yeah. draft eligible oh, this that's year. That's fantastic. Is it, does it correlate to what happens on the field, Jerem? Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We just presented the question at the very top of the show. Only one has the headline treatment, Jason. If you're the newspaper editor, you know, when newspapers were still a thing, and actually printed, right. okay? Well, there's technically still a thing, but, I mean, <laughs> there is a newspaper. Which story are you putting front and center? Is it more about BYU being 5-0, and undefeated, number 12 in the country, dark horse college football right. playoff contender? Keep or, talking. I like hearing this. Or is it more about Zach Wilson being in the Heisman Trophy race and his NFL draft stock rising? Look, both are big stories, the story for me is BYU being 5-0. and I think Zach's performance gets the most attention because you're the quarterback. You, it's, it's the most prominent position in all of sports. The quarterback, and then when you're playing at such a high level, then, then it's off the charts. So I think his performance gets the most attention. But without question, the story, because of what it could lead to down the road if this continues, is BYU being undefeated at, at this point at 5-0, and an opportunity who knows, throughout the rest of the season, maybe end the year undefeated, and then we'll see what happens. That, that's, that's the story for me. Look, there are only four 5-0 teams right now. Clemson, BYU, SMU, and Liberty. Okay, Those are your five teams that are 5-0. After this weekend, Jason, there will 
probably be three, depending on what Liberty and SMU do. But, I mean, SMU's got a showdown with number nine Cincinnati. Liberty's got to get past a pesky Southern Mississippi team. And then Liberty still has NC State and Virginia Tech on the schedule. Well, and here's the thing. Zach benefits from BYU being 5-0. and yes, BYU yes. continuing to win, that's what's going to keep the eyes on BYU and Zach Wilson. If, if Zach's put at these same numbers, but BYU somehow maybe isn't winning the games, it's not the same. It, it just isn't. So the story for me is BYU being 5-0 and and undefeated right now. It's interesting that... I feel like more rides on the outcome of the game in terms of how BYU fans will view success of the season, uh, meaning that Zach Wilson, if BYU went 9-1, and one, could still be a first-round NFL draft pick and still work his way into a Heisman finalist situation. He's been that good early, Jason, that even if BYU loses a game and Zach's spectacular in the game, he'll stay in the Heisman conversation. So there's more riding on the fact that BYU is undefeated because they're trying to do something that they've never done as a team, get into a New Year's Six conversation, be playing not just in the Cotton Bowl in 1997. The Cotton Bowl was a New Year's Day bowl game, but it wasn't part of, at the time, the bowl alliance system. It was still kind of felt like BYU was on the outside looking, and BYU's trying to be the team this year that cracks into the New Year's Six, and they're going to have to be undefeated to do that. Zach could still remain as the Heisman Trophy candidate, even if they lose a game. So right now, oh, man, from a BYU fan standpoint, I think it's more about BYU being 5-0, and number 12 in the country. First 5-0 and start in 12 years, uh, their highest ranking in 11 years. But for the national pundits, it feels like it's more about Zach Wilson. I agree with you 100%. That is their focus 100%. It's on Zach. It's more about Zach Wilson from the national standpoint just because his ascension has been so fast. He went literally from off of most most 2021 draft boards now to, is he a first-round pick? That's crazy. Five games? It hasn't even been two months? I mean, okay, maybe it has been. Let's see. Uh, no, a month and a half, Jason, since BYU's been playing football. He, and now he's being discussed potentially as a first-round draft pick. That's the storyline nationally. Now, if it's a local newspaper, if it's about just BYU and Utah, it's more about the Cougars being number 12 and trying to flirt with not just the New Year's Six, but be in the conversation for the college football playoff. So it depends really on what your paradigm is. Well, and, and like you said – even if BYU loses, there's still the opportunity for Zach to go on and do good things. But, but I, I do believe that if BYU were to lose a game, I think some of the attention goes away. Just because BYU then is no longer in the running for New Year's Six. So I, I think, one, they, they both affect each other. But to me right now, the fact that this team is 5-0 and and playing the way they are, 12th in the country, an opportunity to continue to move up, depending on what happens over these next couple of weeks, that's the story. The other stuff is all part of BYU being 5-0 and and why they're 5-0. and But BYU being in this position with an opportunity, if, they, if the season plays out like, like most of us think it will, to be able to go to New Year's Six, and, and who knows? If things get really crazy, maybe something bigger than that. But, but I mean, certainly, that's the story. It's 5-0. and It's what the team is doing. The conversation is fun, certainly, but I don't know that I have fully embraced the idea of BYU actually being in a New Year's Six bowl game. Because going into the season, when we saw the schedule get thrown out and put back together, it was more like, hey, just go out and play well, have a good time, get to a bowl game, and uh, you know, we'll get back to work in 2021 when the real schedule returns. It, it, it has been 
just a shocker. So what so, are you? So what are you waiting for? Is it, would it the a win if BYU is able to go up to Boise and win? If, BYU if, if that's it, Boise is that State. when it becomes more real for you? Well, it, it took a big step in the right direction after BYU Absolutely. beat Houston, but the Boise game is looming. It, it, it is looming large, uh, understandably, because BYU's never beaten Boise in Boise. They've had several one-point games, yes. three of them, as a matter of fact. And then the last time BYU played up there, Zach Wilson as a freshman had BYU inside the five on the final play of the game. Okay, let me make you feel better. This team specifically has never played at Boise. Okay. And this team is winning games that teams in the recent past have not typically Agreed. won. Yes, and that is a big, so big reason Boise, why they're 5-0. Oh. Yeah, then, then uh, we're full steam ahead, baby. BYU football has encountered a similar situation to what they will see on Saturday. Heavy favorite against a not well-known team hailing from the state of Texas. BYU is a... Almost four touchdown favorite against the Bobcats, Jerem. What does BYU need to do against Texas State to maintain, and more importantly, increase their national ranking and status? Well, first off, uh, it's what you can control and what you cannot. What you can control is winning. Winning is the number one thing. BYU wins, great, awesome. I do think they need to win convincingly. Because Texas State's 1-5, and five, this is a game that you need to win convincingly. What does that mean? BYU wins 20-3. to three. Did they score enough points? Was the margin good enough? Da, da, da. All this stuff matters to pollsters. It really does. To BYU, all that matters is winning. But we're, we're talking about to increase the ranking. If BYU wants to jump in the top 10 by the time they get to Boise State, I think they just need to win. But it's a little more than that. The line is 28 and a half at the mm-hmm. moment in most places. I think that BYU probably needs to win by 24. Now, keep in mind that Texas State has played close games. They played SMU close. Seven points. In fact, yeah, let's bust it out here. Boston College, on, a field goal. Yep, so uh, seven points to SMU, uh, lost by three to UTSA and double OT. Three, as you mentioned, to Boston College. Did lose by 20 to uh, Troy. So um, all the, the, of the five losses, four of the five have been by 10 or fewer. So they pl- and they played SMU, who's what, 16th right now? Mm-hmm. And played them tight in the first game. So it feels like uh, a big m- line against a team from Texas at home. BYU is favored by what, like 34 against UTSA and yes. one by seven? 30 plus against UTSA. So this feels similar. I don't, and Texas State played UTSA close. So listen, to get into the top 10, that's BYU's end of this. The other end is that teams need to lose in front of BYU. Also, teams behind BYU can't have a convincing or quality win that would make them perhaps jump BYU. So the only thing BYU can really control here is win the game, play well. And look good. What does that mean? That's for you to decide. But to me, that would probably mean win by 24+. plus. I'm not going to be bummed if BYU wins the game by 20. I'm just not. <laughs> it's, Don't. It seems silly. If BYU wins by 14 and it's like... 30, you know, 35, 21 or whatever. What if it's a garbage touchdown late? Yeah, I don't know. That happens. In college, seconds and thirds in. Here's what is so shallow and fickle about a game like this for BYU from somebody that's watching on the East Coast or doesn't watch on the East Coast because, I don't know, they want to sleep and they wake up the next morning and they're checking the top 25 scores. There are a couple of things that need to happen for that person specifically. One, BYU needs to score 40-plus. Oh, yeah, the offense, going. offense going. still rolling in Provo. Yep. And BYU's defense needs to give up under 20 points. 
So if BYU wins 40 to 17 or 42 to 19 or whatever, and it's some weird, yeah. it doesn't matter. They go for, oh, BYU is their offense is rolling. Texas State, they didn't score more than 20. Yeah, status quo. BYU is still really good. Those are the two things that need to happen for the guys that aren't really going to watch the game that wake up early in the morning. And t- I'm telling you, there are more of those than you think. Oh, no, for sure. Like, when, when the Pilgrims came over here, they established that they didn't know this at the time, but when they show up at Plymouth and in Virginia earlier than that, you know what's going to happen? The majority of the population will live on that side, and then people will roll out to the west. 50% of the population lives in the eastern time zone. 50%. So the a lot of the pollsters, the East Coast bias, blah blah. I dare say that's they are, why we say Eastern Time on this network. Yes, that's in Utah yes. because we cater nationally. I dare say there are more voters in the East than there are in the West, and it's yes. not close. And that comment was specifically for Patrick Kinahan. <laughs> Phil Steele posted what he calls strength of wins, which is a metric used to assess strength of schedule. He says you get the wins of the FBS teams you beat in this metric. Mm-hmm. Pure's number one nationally with 10. Ooh. Two ahead of number one and number two ranked Clemson and Alabama. So is BYU's schedule better than people think? Yes, but the optics will remain the same regardless. Yeah. BYU's schedule has panned out to be better than certainly we thought and when you really take a deep dive into it, it's like, oh, yeah, well, the teams that BYU's beaten have been okay. You know, they're doing okay at the middle of the pack. But we all thought, we all looked at this and thought, oh, man, Troy, Louisiana Tech, UTSA, well, the, State, Western Kentucky. Navy won 11 last year. We expect them to be decent, right? Troy last year struggled but had won 10 plus three of the last four. Louisiana Tech won 10 last year. So we thought, like, okay, maybe these will be decent teams. These are right? some formidable teams. UTSA is, eh, whatever. Middle of the pack, FBS teams for the most part. Right. And that's better than what people think when they just look at the name of the school. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's better than what people think, but it would help if BYU can uh, beat Boise State on the road to yes. really give people a signature victory to yes. join the one that BYU just put together against Houston. Well, and Navy. I would say that's yeah. th- that, like, that domination was significant. Well, and Navy plays Houston this weekend. We'll get to this in just a moment. The Rootables. There, there are yeah. some weird things at play. Okay, I, I say yes and no, like you're saying. It doesn't, BYU's schedule doesn't have any P5s, and BYU's not likely to play a ranked team at the time or even at the end of the year. I'm saying before a bowl game, right? Hopefully Boise State does one or both of those. But, yeah, BYU needs uh, teams generally to play well, but they specifically need Navy, Houston, Boise State, and San Diego State to have quality seasons. Otherwise, it's like, well, how many good wins does BYU have? We're hoping that BYU says they have four good wins at the end of the year. And by good, I mean, hey, they were competitive in their leagues. Perhaps they're, not, perhaps they're knocking on the door of the top 25, but it's got to be those four. Navy, Houston, Boise State, San Diego State. TBD on San Diego State. Boise State, I'm hoping, runs the table minus BYU. Yeah. Like, last year, that's what Boise State did in the regular season. They only lost to Brigham, which, and then they lost the bowl game. But because they lost to BYU when they did, Memphis took advantage of beating Cincinnati in the AAC title game and was the New Year's Six team and ended up losing to Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. Like, BYU cost Boise State a bunch of money. 
Boise State could return the favor to BYU, though. Mm-hmm. Do not underestimate mm-hmm. that storyline going in to Boise November 6th. Don't put it past Brian Harson to bring that up, too, with his team specifically, not oh. so much in the national media, but with his athletic department, they know. BYU should roll out Baylor Romney in the coin toss <laughs> on that day. They should. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom, over Zoom for the first time, is ESPN's Bill Connolly. Bill, it's great to see you on BYU Sports Nation. And this makes me uneasy. I just like the I like the pictures, the like the eight year old pictures that you guys had last time. That worked a lot better, I think. I, I think it's a Puma shirt you have on, but it kind of looks like a cougar, bro. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we can we can say that was intentional. Okay, okay. Dressing for the occasion. We appreciate that, Bill. Uh, you have we were talking about this during the break. Have been very busy on social media, interacting with uh, BYU fans and well, and Utah fans for well, that matter. Welcome to our life. <laughs> How's your social media life been over uh, the last week? Uh, and well, plus, I mean, you know, BYU fans tend to uh, understand that I, you know, I'm going to give, uh, you know, respect where it's it's deserved, and I've given a lot of respect to to BYU when it deserves it. I guess um, the last week has been interesting because that piece. Uh, you know, I go through each position, uh, you know, best three best quarterbacks or two good quarterbacks and a story I want to tell and whatnot. I go through every position, just got yelled at all week. Where's Najee Harris? Where's Terrace Marshall? Where's Zach Wilson you know, on the list? So I thought it was being a good thing and, you know, showing uh, love to certain players, but it was all about who I didn't uh, put on the list, apparently. Yeah, we were talking about that yesterday because we listed the greatest quarterbacks in BYU history. We were talking about what would Zach Wilson need to do to make what I deemed as my A-list or B-list. Only six yeah. on the A-list. But once yeah, once you rank someone, someone's going, hey, why am I 14th and not 8th? Yep. So I get it. Let's recap your midseason awards that mentioned BYU. So BYU is the fourth best team that's played so far. Satake is the coach of the year. Tyler Algier is the third best running back. Jake Oldroyd third on the Lou Groza list. Clark Barrington on the third best interior lineman, and uh, you hate Zach Wilson. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> um, no, I mean it was it really was like you know a quarterback's list is going to be really tricky when uh, Trevor Lawrence has looked as good as Trevor Lawrence has, and Mac Jones has looked as good as he has. That leaves only one spot, and basically I wanted to. You know, I tried to make it very clear that I, some, you know, guys like Reggie Roberson for SMU, I just wanted to put them on there to acknowledge what they've done over the first half before we kind of forget about him because he's injured. I wanted to make sure to, to give a little uh, space to uh, Coastal's quarterback there because he's been pretty incredible. And, and that left real room for nobody else. But clearly, Zach Wilson, um, if you watch the ESPN broadcasts, uh, plenty of love given to Zach Wilson from the network at the moment. And, and I mean, obviously, deservedly so. Yeah, he's not uh, lacking in words of affirmation. That That is for sure. <laughs> Bill Connolly of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. When you look at Kalani Satake and you named him your midseason coach of the year, some critics say, well, who is BYU beaten? Well, it, come on, it's got to be a, a coach from a Power 5 conference. Why did you feel like Kalani Satake deserves the midseason coach of the year nod? 
Well, I mean, the first part of it was, uh, you know, compared to expectations. BYU was supposed to be fine this year. Clearly, they're better than fine. Uh, clearly, they have overachieved dramatically compared to whatever we might have thought they, whatever level we thought they'd be at in August. So, I mean, that's that's part of it. And as far as the ain't played nobody stuff that we always deal with in college football, I mean, hey, I'm not going to hold that against BYU because their schedule fell apart completely in August. And this is what they could come up with. And they deserve credit for finding teams to play period. And then also you can still set a baseline expectation for each game. What would the average team do against this opponent? What would a very good team do against this opponent? And clearly BYU has, um, you know, the second half against UTSA aside, they have absolutely dominated at a level that you would expect a very good team to do. So that means they're a very good team. It's just kind of a process of setting appropriate bars and figuring out how, how well you clear it so i mean that, that was the biggest part that that list that had them fourth uh, fourth best team i you know i have my sp plus rankings um they are heavily driven by preseason projections and a lot of those factors because it's a predictive rating uh but i just wanted to look at like if i just took that all that out entirely and judge teams only by what they have done in the first th- three to six games this year obviously with the way byu has played for the most part they're gonna they're gonna grade out very well on that list Okay, let's talk about where you feel like BYU fits right now because we were talking about, hey, if BYU's 10-0, no games get canceled due to COVID uh, the rest of the way, BYU beats Boise State and San Diego State and they're 10-0, are they going to make it into a New Year's Six? We feel confident that because of where at least the AP poll right now, we'll see on November 24th with the college football Mm -hmm. playoff poll, that BYU would be probably in a pretty good spot that they wouldn't need to add a game or anything. How do you feel? Yeah. I mean, we never really know what the committee's going to do with an independent that isn't Notre Dame. Um, although I guess Notre Dame's not an independent this year, but um, it, it, you know, obviously we could get surprises there. But I would assume that just the oddity of this year, combined with the fact that you know what we've seen so far, and the Big Ten could change this, but what we've seen so far is Alabama looks like Alabama, Clemson looks like Clemson. Who else is good? Um, you know, Georgia obviously I think has, has carved out a, a role there for the top five or so, but all that next tier, the Oklahoma's and Texas's and Auburn's and LSU's, they've all kind of stunk so far, at least compared to expectations. So that would open the door for a BYU type of team to get a lot further up that list than you would expect. So I don't know who they could schedule with an extra game that would actually impress the committee enough. It would just introduce another opportunity to lose if nothing else, but I would assume their, their odds are pretty decent. Bill, you listed BYU as the fourth best team that you have seen play to this point. All BYU fans, blue goggles on, want to know, how can BYU be one of the top four teams at the end of the season? Is there even a roadmap available for BYU to be a legitimate college football playoff potential? I mean, I... This year, more than other years, yes. Um, because, again, like that second tier is gone at the moment. Assuming Oklahoma State loses and the Big 12 is officially eliminated, if a Pac-12 team doesn't go undefeated, I, I don't – you know, obviously th- the way things play out, you never know for sure. But I would assume that a Pac-12 team probably has to be undefeated to get in um, unless there's just an absolutely dominant 6-1 and one team that lost by one to Oregon or whatever. So um, – you know, it would seem like the road's a little clearer. You need Ohio State to lose, probably. Uh, but even if they don't, that number four spot, if Alabama beats Georgia handily in the SEC title game and there's no Big 12 team in the running, there's not a second Big 10 team in the running, there's not a second or a first Pac 12 team in the running, then somebody has to get the fourth spot. And I do think the door is more open there than normal. It's just, 
with this schedule, you know it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of breaks to to get all the way up to fourth. Yeah, it feels like uh, the committee could look at and and frankly, I would look at uh, you know, okay, all the like the Big Ten and the SC, they played all Power Five teams. BYU hasn't played a single one. Right. They would have beaten Boise State. <laughs> so New Year's Six is re- like realistically that that would be incredible. And what what do you think of what BYU's done in terms of? They, at one point, BYU had two games on the schedule with like five weeks to go to the season. <laughs> now they at least have, they have 11. One has been postponed. Probably not going to happen with Army. We'll see. But what Tom Homo has done to at least put something together, and then BYU's played really well on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we the, the word scheduling intent have been, have been said a lot by committee members and whatnot. I know it's a thing, but the intent was we have no games to play and it's, uh, you know, it's August and we've got to figure out how to, how to play a lot of games. So they found teams to play and I don't think they should be even slightly punished for that. Um, there, there was the, they had what five P five teams six. on the original schedule six, and that was pretty good. And they, they would have fared pretty well against that schedule. You go back through the teams they would have been playing, you know, that would have been a very, very good case for it. You know, if they had that schedule, they go, you know, maybe not 12 and zero, but they would have won probably 10 or 11 games if they, with the level they've played so far, that's a good resume right there. And, and I would hope that the committee would look past, you know, well, you know, among other things, Houston would be a mid to lower level P5 team. Boise state would be a mid to high level P5 team. It's not their fault. They're not in a P5. They're still good teams. And BYU absolutely just laid the hammer down late against Houston. And if they do the same to Boise state, they should get credit, uh, you know, credit for that. And there's an argument that San Diego State uh, would be a low-level Power 5 team, right, when you look at Kansas and others. <laughs> well, right, yeah, Kansas is a P5 win, but, you know, beating Boise State <laughs> and San Diego State isn't. That's not, that's right. ridiculous. Right. Bill Connolly of ESPN on BYU Sports Nation. I know we're talking a lot in hypotheticals here, Bill, but because you brought up the Pac-12, what do you think the chances are of the Pac-12 going seven consecutive weeks with no hiccups so that all the Pac-12 teams actually play seven games. Is it right. is it crazy to think that that could actually happen? Um, I mean, it's going to take luck, obviously. All, all of this takes luck, and we've seen the teams that have gotten a little unlucky so far. But I do think having that daily testing piece is enormous just for limiting spread. You know, by the time you know somebody's tested positive, uh, they've, been, you know, they've been around a whole heck of a lot of people. In theory, the daily testing, the rapid result testing allows you to, at the very least, say, you know, if he, someone tests positive, you know, d- the bars go up immediately and they're they're locked away from everybody else. So... In theory, when you've seen teams missing like 18 or 20 guys because of contact tracing, in theory, if you have the daily testing, it's like six or eight or something like that. And you can, it's a lot easier to navigate through with that. So I'm more confident in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten getting through their schedules. Big Ten obviously has a couple more games, which is tricky in and of itself. And now coaches are testing positive, so who who knows? But um, just theoretically, I feel better about the Pac-12 getting through it because of the the daily testing than anything else. Yeah, LSU and Clemson took the approach of just getting it before the season. So anyway, that's another (laughs) subject. Um, Let's finish Uh, with this. What do your numbers say about BYU's chance of going undefeated the rest of the way? Um, I'm going to look away from my camera here because that's really good television. Uh, <laughs> right now, it's basically just about a 50% chance is is what my SP Plus rankings say because Boise is obviously the biggest obstacle there. Um, you know, San Diego State is, I think, like an 88% win probability at the moment. So it really comes down to that Boise game more than anything else. 
Bill, we love reading your stuff. We consume it uh, basically on a daily basis. An unhealthy level. <laughs> uh, for those that are not familiar with what you do and where to find it, uh, inform our watchers and listeners. Uh, I mean, if you just follow me on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C, that's everything gets filtered to there at one point or another. Easy enough. Bill, great to talk to you, man. Let's do it again soon. Sounds good. ESPN's Bill Connolly on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I love William. I think his stuff's awesome. It's a different metric. ESPN's brought him in the last couple of years. He's too good to just be elsewhere, right? Because he was with um, SB Nation forever. He was with SB Nation, which is absolutely credible as well. But, yeah, ESPN's like, listen, we got to bring this guy over here. So, um, great stuff. Always good to talk to Bill. And, and it's fun to – listen, we've built this cadre of people that we have a relationship with, and now that BYU is in the top 15, it's like, oh, everyone come in. Every, everybody we can get. Let's talk about yes. how awesome BYU is right now, if this could actually happen to the end. So, he's got a 50% chance. That's pretty good. I believe that's better than the ESPN FPI which is a little lower than that. Yeah, everybody wants to talk when things are going well. Steve Young and we'll be Stuart here. Mandel and Bill Connell. We'll be here. It. We'll be here. We, we have to talk. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Every week as BYU's national publicity and hype grows, the question will always come up. How are the Cougars handling it as they rise in the rankings? Well, they figured it out against Houston, and uh, for that, they've received some more national recognition. George Udo of the BYU defense, I had the opportunity to speak with him one-on-one on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, BYU Sports Nation All Access, about how he is stiff-arming that type of hurdle. George, let's start with this question. BYU football 5-0, and working on win number six when Texas State comes to Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Number 12 in the country, highest ranking since 2009. Everybody is taking every chance they can get to tell you about it, myself included. How are you handling the hurdle of overcoming this increase of national attention? I just think that as a team, we're just doing what we do best, you know, playing assignment sound football, the offense rolling, defense, you know, holding. And I just think that everybody's doing the job correctly and we're doing it really good. And I just think, I just believe that we, we're not really paying attention to our rankings right now. We're just, you know, game by game, focusing on winning. And that's, that's just what our mindset is. Look at you stiff arm that approach. That is well done, <laughs> my friend. That is, that is well played like an experienced veteran. I saw Kalani Satake uh, during the Houston game kind of grab your helmet uh, after one of the series and, he did this on a couple of occasions to say some things to you. What are those conversations like? What, what's happening when Kalani is having those heart-to-heart sideline conversations with you? About, I think, one, one or two of the times, you know, he was just telling me what I could have done better on that play just to, you know, help out our coverage. But, you know, at the same time, he was telling me that he's proud of me that I've stepped in and I've, you know, been making plays. But he was just, he's just saying that he's just been proud of me. And, you know, yeah. How was the defense able to be so successful, the final five drives that Houston put together, combining for eight yards? What what changed in that moment? I mean, I feel like our mindset, you know, really, really changed at halftime. We were so bent on not letting them score and, you know, playing assignment sound, you know, defense on them. And we're everybody was just, you know, encouraging each other, 
um, you know, it's just, it's just, I believe that everybody was just so that we just wanted to win so bad that we just decided to continue playing, you know, like really good football in the second half. But yeah, it's just, we just wanted that win so bad and we knew we could come back. We knew how good our offense was. So we, we decided as a defense, we need to, you know, you know, hold so our offense can come back and we can win the game. Well, you do that. Your offense scores 29 unanswered and the defense comes up huge. As we just mentioned those stats, what was the plane ride like home that night? Man, everybody was just so happy. It was, we were just so excited, man. It was just, it was, it was really, it was really fun. Like even getting on the plane, you could see everybody just smiling, you know, talking, you know, laughing. And, you know, it was just, it was just a good, it was just a good scene to see. Okay. Now looking back on the five games that you've played and the one close game against the university of Texas, San Antonio, what have those experiences done to prepare you for a team like Texas state that doesn't have the number of wins that you guys do? Honestly, we just decided it doesn't matter what, who the team is, who we're playing. We just gotta, you know, play like we normally play, play good defense and, you know, um, just, just play really good. And if we do that, you know, we're going to come out on top every single time. George Udo with us on BYU Sports Nation as the Cougars prepare for Texas State. First game that you're going to play in front of fans at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. The fans showed out in Houston. Uh, There were rumored to be 6,000 BYU fans. And now you're going to have probably 6,000 BYU fans in LES. What do you think about playing in front of your home fans for the first time? It's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be really crazy too. Like we, honestly, the players, we wanted to have our family at the game. So it's really exciting for us to have our family there cheering us on. Okay, George, I'm going to turn the page a little bit because BYU fans are always interested in backstories and how players end up at BYU. So let's, for those that don't know, let's dive into your personal story here. Before you were playing for the 12th ranked BYU Cougars, what was happening in high school? How did you end up at BYU of all places? So it was um, it was about late November, early December after my my senior football season that my head coach, he called me as I was coming home from school and he said, hey, um, I have coach Ed Lamb on the phone with uh, on the phone with us right now. I'm going to um, emerge our calls and you know, have him talk to you. And that was when BYU offered me. And, you know, they wanted me or actually Coach Lamb flew out the, the next day to come and see me. So, you know, he talked to me about how the school was and, you know, everything. And, you know, I decided to go on my official visit in December. And after that, after my official visit, you know, I really liked it there and I liked it here. And I committed. What was it about BYU that made you say, yeah, I want to wear the blue and I want to play for Kalani Satake and Ed Lamb compared to the other places that you were considering. Well, I say it's just like the, the environment of BYU, like the team is very, you know, close together. It's like, everybody's a part of one big family. So, you know, I saw that here and that's what really attracted me here too. And, you know, just the, the goals that the coaches had, like, you know, um, coach Kalani, his goals, coach Ed Lamb, you know, all of them, they had really, you know, um, really great goals and for the team. And that's what really, you know, kind of attracted me here and led me to commit here.
Okay, uh, we'll finish with this question, George. Um, as you're preparing for Texas State and getting ready to run out of the tunnel again in front of those 6,000 fans, did you ever imagine that, one, you would be doing so in front of only 6,000 fans, but as the 12th-ranked team in the country? Like, have you, How much of this have you imagined? And it is it is crazy, but you know, like I said before, like we don't we don't really pay attention to those rankings and everything. We're just focused on you know doing our job and playing fast and you know coming out on top. That's just what we're focused on. George, great to talk to you, man. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for your performance against Texas State. If you don't know what that is, basically you're already a really good player. Now you're going to be an even better player because you got the karma behind you, man. So take it, do well, and we'll see you on Saturday. All right, thank you. George Udo on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Physically, as all the tools, made a big mistake early in the game, right? Not tackling Clayton Toon that led to a touchdown. But after that, the defense tightened up, and George made a great TFL late in that game. He also picked off, as you talked about, the two-point conversion. He's going to be a good player. He's still young, but he's going to be a guy that we're like, dude, George Udo's awesome, and I'm really glad he's at BYU. Yeah, and uh, a guy that Diane Gawoloku said, watch out for. Yeah, he's got all the physical tools. And, uh, again, he's learning, and uh, great to have George Udo here. Plus, I love his name, George Udo. He's just, like, he's just ready to rock, man. I Does love that he name. not sound like the perfect safety? He sounds yes. like – he looks like the perfect safety. Right. Like, he's physically got all of it. So, very exciting. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Hey, we've got an A-list player in uh, this week's Deep Blue feature. Zane Anderson, at 23 years young, honestly has overcome more adversity, specifically injury adversity, than most humans will deal with in their entire lives. He's doing so to make himself an impact player in what is becoming an unforgettable 2020 season. Deep Blue featuring the Zane train. Zane Anderson presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Well, it's good to be out fishing with you, too, taking a break and... Good to clear the mind. Yeah. Minds of. Remember all the times we used to go to Strawberry, too? Yeah. Those are good times. I feel like that's something that everyone in our family enjoys doing is fishing or just getting out. Getting out is a family home. Yeah. I know, me too. I mean, I've always kind of grown up just loving football. Um, it kind of came from my dad at a young age. I... Ever since he was little, if he saw somebody doing something that he wanted to do, he was going to do it better. That's why he's where he's at right now. And I wish I had more of that in my life, <laughs> to be competitive and, and have that desire and hunger to be the best at whatever he does. It's been a journey, and it's been a lot of, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been amazing. I've learned a lot throughout all the process I've been through. All the ups and downs, it's, it's been good, and it's taught me a lot, and it's made me the man I am today. Personal. He's ever been at 220 pounds, and he is thick. If an athlete's He's ever so been injured, they know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just, it's just tremendously difficult. You feel isolated from the team. You feel like a piece of your identity is taken away. I feel like through this whole journey, I've seen the light. 
and I'm, I'm getting closer to it, I'm getting closer to it, and then I fall, but then I just keep on getting closer. And so mentally, I, I, there were some big struggles, I think, at, during the season, um, watching your team play and you not being out there and just kind of looking at your goals and seeing that they're kind of getting far apart from you. He has this incredibly high metabolism, and so when he's not able to train and be in the weight room and, and you know, for whatever reason, surgery, not able to eat, uh, eat as well as he does, he'll drop 20 pounds of muscle in a very short period of time in a couple of weeks, and I've seen that happen to him a couple of times now, and so that, that just adds to that dark cloud hanging over the top of him. He would be upset for a little while, but then he just looked at the future and said, I'm gonna get better. I can do this, you know, I can show myself, show everybody what I've got next time. He is a resilient young man, tons of speed. He has so much athleticism and such a great charisma. Four-man rush, Horny Brookwell protected. Long throw, intercepted, and it's picked off by Anderson. He's going to be something in the future, you know. I don't know what it is, but he's just seen a, a, a birth of a, of a great leader. And then some of the situations that he's had, and I think he does it with a lot of empathy, and he leads to a lot of uh, you know, just being able to know what others are going through, especially our injured players, and uh, motivating them to, to keep it going. Stanton picked off, held on to. St. Anderson, second career pick. People start doubting, oh, he's injury prone, he's da-da-da-da-da. And it's just kind of, it, it's, it's, that's frustrating as well, but there have been super unlucky circumstances. And so at the end of the day, I'm just trying to do what I can with under my control. I feel like my heavenly father has blessed me with talents. I've faced adversity with those things, but um, there's a way out. And I, I really believe in myself that I can make it to the next level and that I can have a successful and healthy season. Nothing's been given to Zane. He's always had to work whatever he wanted to do. Everything's on his terms. He's the guy that made it happen. Um, we'd go to work and we'd aerate lawns. We'd knock doors, me and my brother and my dad, and that would help us pay for these going into colleges camps. And so I really appreciate everything he's done for me. And I would say both my parents are heroes just in different ways. They're the reason why I'm here, and they've, they've sacrificed so much to get me here. I've always been proud of Zane. He's just, he's just always been kind of a quiet little hero. He's such a good example for his brothers and sisters, for me. Just everybody kind of looks up to him. To see him happy and successful as a dad, that's, that's fulfillment for me right there. And to see him reach his dreams, it makes me happy, so... Deep blue with Zane Anderson. I cannot tell you how happy I am for Zane and his family that he's back on the field and impacting this specific season and being a contributor. And you know what? If he yeah. wants to come back in 2021, he can do that too. He can. And it's been a quiet season for Zane because he's just done a really good job on the back end. You haven't seen BYU get beat down the field hardly at all. Um, he's done a really nice job. And he's a guy over his career. Look, 137 tackles. He's played in 44 games. He's part of a, a secondary with Chris Wilcox and Troy Warner, guys that have played 40-ish games, right? BYU's very experienced. 
And he, he played full seasons in 16 and 17. 18 and 19 played a combined six games. So it's great. He's already played in all five, right? And uh, uh, we want a clean bill of health for Zane because he's a guy, like he said, that wants to make it at the next level. If he decided to come back in 2021, he would leave BYU play, having played like 60 games. That'd be a record. <laughs> like there's going to be a lot of records shattered yes, because on COVID, of COVID sure. statistically and, and games played and whatnot. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. No Defoe, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Outer Group serving Utah since 1968. Ben Bagley, join us, won't you? BYU Sports Nation asks, do you know the foe? Happy to do so, guys. I'm excited for this Texas State edition. Brought to you, well, this coin flip in the post in the break was brought to you by Hamlin, Hamlin, and McGill. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, Spencer, you won the toss. You get to go first. Okay. Uh, number one, San Marcos, Texas is the home of Texas State. Mm-hmm. It's also the birthplace of which Heisman Trophy winner? Ooh. Is it Ricky Williams? Is it Davey O'Brien? Is it Ty Detmer? <laughs> or is it Johnny Manziel? Interesting. Who is it? Davey O'Brien. It's Ty Demmer. Oh, Ty Demmer's from San Marcos. He's straight. He's straight what? up from San Marcos. What? Why did I? I didn't, I didn't know. The pride of San Marcos. San Marcos. Really? Wow. I'm sorry, Ty. I should have known that. St. Marks. There you go. All right, Jerem. <laughs> chance to take a lead here. Which TV show was filmed in or based in San Marcos, Texas? Oh boy. Walker, Texas Ranger. Ooh. Friday Night Lights. No. King of the Hill. Mm. Or Reba. Good ones. This is up your alley too, Ben. <laughs> King of the Hill. Oh. No, it was Friday Night Lights. Really? In, in San, San Marcos. Marcos. I thought yes, it was filmed. a different town. It was filmed in there. It was filmed. Oh, it was filmed. It was filmed in San Marcos. I heard based on. Filmed in or based in. Oh, All right. Nice. No points on the board, Spencer. All right. Which Please. is not an alumni of Texas State. Six-time Major League Baseball All-Star Paul Goldschmidt. Houston Rockets owner Tillman Fatita, Country Music Hall of Famer George Strait, or Lyndon B. Johnson, the 36th president of these United States of America. I am going to go the owner of the Rockets, Fertitta. Yeah! Correct. Good guess. All right, Spencer takes lead, 1-0. Jerem, which of the following actors was not on the fictional Texas State fighting armadillos team. Oh boy! <laughs> from the movie Necessary Roughness, Sinbad, Jason Bateman, Rob Schneider, or Peter Tuiasosopo. Rob Schneider. Yep, he, he was, was the broadcaster. Yes, with apologies to Greg Rubel, he wasn't on the team. He was just the radio guy. Bumbo, Bumbo Ruski, Bumbo Laya. By the way, fun fact: Peter Tuiasosopo. Played football at Utah State. Oh, that's very fun. Probably related to Mark. Uh, possibly. All right, Spencer, we'll give you this one. What is the name of the Texas State Bobcat mascot? Is it Bongo the Bobcat, <laughs> Bob the Bobcat, Eugene the Bobcat, or Boko the Bobcat? One of those is correct. One of them is correct. <laughs> Eugene. <laughs> nope, it is Boko. Boko? Boko. B O K O. B O K O? Yes. Boko the Bobcat. That one a contest is the best entry. Really? I'm just going to leave it at that, and that's wow. no the foe. <laughs> oh, I don't get one? Yeah, I ran out. Of time. You ran out? <laughs> We're no run out of time. I got one more, but I ran out of time. Oh, okay. Okay. 
tie. It's a tie. Well, ask me after the show. Okay. Oh, you want to try and break the tie? It's a tie. It's a tie. Let's get to our prop picks for Texas State. Let's go. Going into the weekend, Jason Shepard still with a one-point lead on Jerem, 17-16. to 16. I am in third, but only two points behind the leader, Jason, with 15. I just want to be in the top three when I'll send them. Number one. All right, here we go. Number one. Which BYU Cougar will be the first to score points on Saturday? Okay, Jason says Dax Milne. I say Tyler Algier. I'm going with Zach Wilson. Who? I think BYU in the red They'll zone. run it in? Yeah. So if he passes it in, that doesn't count. It's got to be the receiver that would get oh, it right. It doesn't count if he throws it? I was like, that's not going to count, right? Yeah, that's not going to count. I think Zach Wilson will run it in. Now it's going to be a kickoff return, Caleb Christensen. <laughs> Number two. All right. BYU will have over under 353 passing yards. That's the average right now. Under. It's aggressive to go over. Okay, 353 average per game is the highest since 1993 for BYU. Thank you, Cougar Stats. That's gnarly, dude. Under. I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be in the game long enough to throw for 353. Or any quarterbacks are going to be throwing for 353. Baylor Romney has not appeared in the last two games. If it's close, then... Maybe. Then... Yeah, maybe. Meaning, hope, meaning, three fifty-three, not yeah. Baylor. Yeah. I'm hoping the BYU doesn't need to pass for over three fifty-three. But yeah, let's hope they don't have to. Or maybe they just do it. They're yeah. like, you know what, Zach Verizon, let's go, chuck it, sixty <laughs> times, let's go. Next, Texas State will score over under fourteen points. Okay, BYU's giving up 14? fourteen a game, uh, as you said. Under. Nope, just kidding. I go over. Oh, I was like, oh, okay. Over because they'll get a late one. Yeah, I'm going with over. Texas State is capable enough, and if it's not a deluge and pouring down, they're not going to lose by 20 like they did Detroit. They still scored 17 in that game over. Jason went, surprisingly, under. Always the contrarian said no one. Number four. Oh, he is leading. Maybe there's something to that. For Number now, four. Will the, BYU defense, will the BYU defense score on Saturday? No. This is too aggressive. This means they will. I see what you're trying to do here, Ben. They will now score. Trying to bait us into taking something aggressive so that we can get back in the game. But in reality, like, it doesn't happen, and then you just trail by more. Just put it on a silver platter I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. They will score, but it will come back for a penalty. So it won't count. (laughs) You get three points if that happens. (laughs) But I'm saying no. I'm saying no. I'm saying no. If that happens, I just get three points. points. But I'm not saying they will because that's officially no. All right. Okay, three no's. All right, last one. How many teams ranked above BYU will lose on Saturday? This is a good question. I think one, I think, will be mostly chalk. I am going with two. This college football season has already been very weird, and we're seeing upsets all over the board week in and week out. There are enough teams playing capable foes that are ranked higher than BYU that we're going to see some upsets. Two two teams ranked above BYU will lose on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.